Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer in Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the forgotten entertainment family hey there i'm mr black and i'm mr green and we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store together we host the pint o comics podcast where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies tv comics music or just whatever starting very soon we'll be joining up with the fine folks at forgotten entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Dearest listeners of the Well-Rounded Table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Lady Colleen McMillan, newly arrived and ready to mingle. And I'm the new Viscount in search of a wife. DM me later. Anders Drew. And I'm huge horse race aficionado when it involves hot guys flirting with me. Flo Siegel. Heck yeah. (laughs) While we vary in terms of our ranks here on BGS, one thing will always remain constant. There's always more to learn from the tongue. And Lady Danbury, come on. Oh yeah, much wisdom. This season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a detailed dorky dive into that saucy Netflix series, Bridgerton. Last time, we did a quick recap of season one and gave some of our impressions of that season and the series as a whole. This week, we are diving very deep into season two, episodes one and two, entitled Capital R Rake and Off to the Races. Both of these episodes were directed by Trisha Brock with Chris Van Dusen and Daniel Robinson as the writers of episodes one and two respectively. So consider this your spoiler warning. All of season one and two of Bridgerton are fair game for spoilers and adult content. And I'm also just gonna throw out Jane Austen and and a couple Cinderella adaptations too for spoilers in case you don't know the story of Cinderella. Spoilers for rom-coms in general. (laughs) So break out the punch and lemonade and let's go to the ball. That's like really the only place I ever want to be too. It's just a ball. Um, When you say that though, I just think of how I met your mother. Let's go to the mall. Let's go to to the ball. ball. Today. I would not want to be singing that. (laughs) I just have to start us out with saying that Rake during this time period was a man of certain ill repute it was a play <laughs> a play breaking yeah. him in yeah. yeah exactly he was sowing his wild oats basically i mean they're his oats but a rake usually was very charming with the ladies as well so I'm- they could get away with him love right. it Okay, let's get into this recap. So episode one opens with the Bridgertons gathering for Eloise's coming out, her presentation to the queen. 
Um, Eloise is in full on panic mode, which I get because I was also in panic mode when I had to go curtsy to the queen. So I get it. And Daphne's attempts at calming her are not helping. Not um, Eloise one and Daphne bit. really couldn't be any more different. Like, yeah. Yeah, Daphne was that absolutely like image of perfection, the consummate like oldest sibling, perfect image, everything. And Eloise is just like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, Eloise does not want to be there, but the queen is in search of her new diamond. She's waiting for any news of Lady Whistledown at the same time. So she's kind of like freaking out as well. And the Featheringtons are at their home. They are awaiting the new Lord Featherington. If you'll remember, her husband has died. So they are waiting for this like cousin guy to arrive and hopefully save them from ruin. Hopefully. We'll see yeah, how that goes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the presentation, right as Eloise is about to be presented, a new Lady Whistledown is delivered to the queen. So she is spared from having to go through with the ceremony. Like she runs full flat, like just out, she's out of there. We get a quick overview of how Penelope is conducting her business. Shout out to allowing Nicola Coughlin to use her native accent, Irish. She's also in the series Dairy Girls. If you haven't seen that, please go. Oh my God, watch Dairy Girls. It's one of the funniest thing that exists in the world. (laughs) It is so good. She's using her Irish accent to impersonate Lady Whistledown's servant. Very smart. We love you, Ben. At the Bridgerton home, Eloise is practicing dancing. (laughs) Zero enthusiasm, stepping all over her poor brother. When Antony arrives and slips that he's officially on the hunt for a wife. Cue the montage. I love a montage. Antony is calling on several young ladies and is extremely and hilariously direct with his questioning. Like, do we talk about this for a second? Like, this is absolutely amazing. (laughs) I I was just flabbergasted. I was like, didn't you ask Benedict how to do this? (laughs) I just want to see Antony's like hinge profile. Mm. I feel like it would be so cringe. Like, he would have like the weirdest recording, like voice recording. He'd be like. I don't know like what's your hottest take he would have something like extremely fire to say like yeah and he's just he's so upfront about everything to to yes. his credit he's very upfront about what he's looking for like yeah he's very clear oh mm-hmm. how many kids yeah he's not out here like playing the game he is straight up and so if you're yeah. not interested then that's fine move on but this is this is what Anthony wants it's Anthony's world and we're all living in it <laughs> mm-hmm. especially all these girls Mm-hmm. all of them <laughs> he makes it very clear to his brothers that he is not interested in falling in love at all mm. i wonder how that's gonna turn out yeah uh, too bad baby do you know what series you're in come on now. so early one morning probably like the next day or so he's riding and he sees a woman riding very quickly off in the distance and he gives chase thinking that there's a chance that she might be in trouble but you know what she's fine they have a nice little meet cute, the stranger write-offs. Uh, he catches up with her once again. They have a nice little interaction where they don't actually introduce themselves to each other. But she rides off again and arrives at the home of Lady Danbury. The stranger is, in fact, Kate Sharma. She's newly arrived in town with her mother, the Lady Mary, and her half-sister, Edwina. Lady Danbury has agreed to sponsor them for the season. And Lady Danbury, while she's doing that, is also prepping for the opening ball and is trying very hard to get the girls ready for this. But Kate makes it very clear 
that she has been prepping her younger sister for this moment for several years. She is taught her what to say, taught her how to dance, taught her how to act. Everything is fine. And she is only interested in finding her sister a match, not one for herself. After all, she's an old maid, an old maid at the ripe old age of 26. Yeah. I yeah, mean, absolutely to- barren, I'm sure. I'd like to point out the fact that Anthony is 29. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. To be fair, she did a great job of prepping Edwina. Edwina yeah, is a she gem. Did. Oh, she did. Oh, absolutely so fantastic I- job. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so after this, we get a small scene with Penelope and Eloise before going back to the Featheringtons where Mrs. Varley, who's like the creepiest looking lady ever. I love her though. She's great, but she freaks me out. Like she looks like she would work like in the Haunted Mansion. She is really scary. Uh, She's one of the only remaining staff they have. So they're bemoaning their situation, you know, as we all do when we only have, you know, one hired help in our- One hired help and all she can make is potatoes. Unbelievable. Um, I love potatoes. I could- I do too. There's actually, there is a potato diet out there. Um, Okay, so that's the one I pick. (laughs) I'm going to be on that one. So Mrs. Varley can come over and make me potatoes anytime. So they're bemoaning, they're hoping that the new Lord Featherington will take mercy on them and continue to support them. Um, Edwina, at the same time, is getting antsy. She's getting ready for the ball. We get our second reference to how Lady Mary left court many years ago, which is shocking. Would have been a very big deal to leave court without the Queen's permission. Sure. Mm -hmm. And to marry without the Queen's permission. I mean, I think the Queen has better things to do, though. She really doesn't. I know. <laughs> I feel well, like maybe she, she does. She's the regent. Like she's kind of fighting with her son over who gets to be the regent. So she does have a lot of things on her mind. But she also, she doesn't want to get slighted. Like she sure. will be like, oh, you left. Plus she, she left a while ago. society. Yes. And when Lady Mary left, it was many years ago. So she's holding that grudge real, real fast. Yeah. She needs to get over it. <laughs> she does. I hope she will. I love the queen. Okay, so we're at the ball. Love the ball. Kate and Lady Danbury are scoping out the prospects when the queen arrives. When Lady Mary is presented to her, the queen quips and walks on. The Bridgertons arrive as well. They're always looking gorgeous, amazing. Eloise is visibly very uncomfortable. (laughs) She's just not into it at all. And Lady Bridgerton announces very loudly in the presence of everyone that Antony is looking for a wife. Like, baits out in the water everyone I mean Lady Bridgerton is such a G in this like she gives zero fucks she's like let's roll she knows how to play this game yes mm-hmm. she's like I need to get my son out of this yeah she's like he's driving me nuts although to be fair he he wouldn't be out of the house he would be bringing another woman into the house because it's his house that That's is true, true. Exactly. but then he'd have something else to occupy his time yeah <laughs> rather than yelling at his siblings at his mother so the other ladies are gossiping about the Sharmas, oh my, and give the full rundown on the family scandal. Lady Mary fell in love with a merchant who already had a child, who's Kate, and defied her family to run away to marry him. Mm, good girl. Her parents never lived down the shame and haven't been seen in London society since. Oh my God. So this is pre-Edwina's birth as yeah. she is obviously Edwina's mother. So mm-hmm. this is a solid, what, like 18 years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, At probably least 17. I'm not sure yeah. how old Edwina is supposed to be from the books. I think, like, in this moment, you just like love Lady Mary, who took on this man's daughter as his own. Like, that's mm-hmm. 
really impressive. And I don't think you would have ever really guessed that they weren't related because no. Lady Mary treats her just like she was like her, her own, just like Edwina. Absolutely. Which is lovely. And they treat each other as sisters. sisters. Like they Absolutely. say that in that conversation before the ball, that people are like, Edwina is like worried they're going to talk about me and about how we're related. And Kate's mm-hmm. just like, we're sisters. That's, That's right. it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Love that. So we cut to kind of outside. Anthony's out there talking with some of his buddies and Kate overhears him. And he mentions he's looking for a loveless yet prosperous and profitable match, which instantly sours him to her as both a friend and a potential match for her sister. Locker room talk, guys, stop it. Yeah. Even if you don't really mean it, like, shut up. But he did, like, but he, he did. did. Mean yeah, he absolutely so- meant it. Mm-hmm. And he he defends himself. He's like, no, I said what I said and I meant it. And let's be honest, that's what we're all out here looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that's the quiet part that I'm saying out loud. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kate is shaken up by this and she instantly whisks Edwina away. Uh, meanwhile, Penelope manages to kind of slip away from her family to get her new paper published. Lady Wilsonown is chastising the queen who has yet to choose a new diamond for the season. And I gotta tell y'all, she is not amused by this. The queen is not happy that she's queen being made a fool of by Lady Wilsonown yet again. Mm-hmm. So later on, Lady Danbury, always, you know, fabulous with her canes, confronts Kate with what she has uncovered. Kate has made a deal with her sister's grandparents that if Edwina finds a suitable match this season, the Sheffields will provide a suitable dowry and care for her mother. Kate will be able to return to India to seek her own future. Um, she wants to be a governess. And in this mm-hmm. conversation, Kate reveals that she absolutely hates English tea. She's like rattled about it. She's not here for it. Ted Lasso, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched But at least, she has, at least she has a good idea of what good tea is supposed to be. Yes. Sure. Although I think British tea is delicious. So suck it, Kate. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> okay. So the next evening, you know, this is the season. So there's more balls. Now it's the queen's own ball. And she decides to proclaim, dun, 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 Edwina, this season's diamond. She does this to shake things up and also to help flush out Lady Whistledown. Anthony decides that she's the one he will marry because she's the diamond and you know he's kind of like guest on in that way he's like don't i deserve the best you know i don't know um kate pretty much forbids edwina from seeing him finally the featheringtons arrive home to meet the new lord featherington who is in fact the son of the man that they thought it was going to be and he's like young and pretty good looking so very cute yeah and he's already moved lady featherington's belongings out of her former bedchamber yeah. <laughs> because he's, he's gonna take those or none yeah he's gonna take care of that now it's of awesome course. i love that she's I like mean, oh we like a man to take charge all right like we can all <laughs> say that we don't but like here we go way to step up my dude i'm oh, your man <laughs> we are we are here for the very attractive featherington coming yeah, into the house absolutely Whew. all right so episode two here we go starts off with many men courting Edwina if they can get through Kate mm, Kate concedes that Antony can be allowed to see Edwina from the back of the line I love this scene Mm. this is Kate doing like malicious compliance shit like the guys are like he's been in there for so long and she's like 
Well, if you want me to interrupt your time with her when the person behind you says that you've been in there too long, go ahead. Let's do it. She's no, like, like, in that moment, we see that she probably is an excellent teacher. Like, yeah. good for her <laughs> wanting to be a governess because, like, that's some teacher shit. I love it. I love it. I love her so much. Anthony tries to accompany her to the races, but it's pretty much booted by Kate. Back at the Bridgerton house, Colin mm, returns to everyone's <laughs> delight, especially Penelope. We're going to have words with Colin later in the season. Anthony schemes his way to sitting with Edwina at the race, and she is pretty smitten. Like, he is very charming. I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah. Rich, hot wants to like spend time with you although I did like the poet guy too I think he's very adorable a little bland like I think Edwina is looking for a little bit more excitement in her man he was like straight up like soldier guy when Mm -hmm. all Anthony had to do was like mention refreshment and he like sprouted up staring like straight forward shoulder square like I shall get it yes yeah he was kind of like he felt like I'm not here for it yeah. Like, I don't need a pick-me guy to be like, he, it is mm. I, your savior. <laughs> Little white nighty, but very sweet. I think he has a sweetness. because, And he's not the brightest bulb on the tree either, let's be fair. Kate manages to engage him and beat him in a battle of wits over which horse will win the race. Like, good for you. This was awesome. Sports. Yeah. This is like when that dude on some sports trivia site is like, oh, well, what are the stats for blah, blah, blah during blah, blah, blah back in 1922? And the girl's like, bam, bitch. And he's like, oh. <laughs> yes, bring it. I love it. When Kate discovers that Antony got his friend mm, to try and distract her so that he could get to Edwina, she nabs her sister and they leave. This is a pattern. This is officially a pattern. This is like the third time this has happened. The yeah. slightest disruption. She's just like, we're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Antony, like, props for switching up your game but also dude that was such a bad move like that was so bad it was a great move his friend just let it slip well well pick your friends better yeah your friend's an idiot (laughs) next we go to eloise i love her so much she thinks that she has discovered lady whistledown's printer and goes to investigate there she meets theo who works there he's very cute he shows her that he is in fact printing pamphlets on women's rights and not the latest gossip as she had assumed Oh my, I wonder if Eloise would be interested in women's rights. Maybe, I don't know. I just like seeing her put in her place. <laughs> Any Bridgerton that gets put in their place, I'm like, please. I, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to this a little bit later, but like Eloise, if, if Eloise were around like today, she would absolutely start every sentence with, well, while I was at Harvard. Or well, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. She is a well, actually girl. Like, yeah. oh, honey. Like, we'd all hate Daphne, too. Let's just give it up for Hyacinth and Francesca. <laughs> no, no, it's that we don't know. Francesca! Francesca! Anyway, all right, so we go back to the Featheringtons, where Philippa Featherington is finally married after the new Lord Featherington did secure her dowry. And Lady Featherington is still trying to kind of feel this guy out. Uh, he reveals to her that he is also intent on finding himself a wife this season, and she's not happy about that she does not want some other lady moving into her house taking her title and potentially booting her and her daughters out uh then we cut back to the palace the queen is entertaining kate and edwina 
And Queen Charlotte manages to recruit Edwina to confide in her if anyone in particular is asking very probing questions this season. And of course, Lady Danbury calls her out as you're just trying to figure out who Lady Whistledown is. And the queen's like, what of it? Yeah, whatever, I'm the queen. I do what I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. During a fencing bout, Anthony is just bitching to his brothers about how intolerable Kate is. And they're kind of looking at him like, yeah, can, are you going to stop talking about her soon? Or are we just going to keep doing this? Viscount doth protest too much, me thinks. <laughs> he then goes over to Lady Danbury's with a horse to give Edwina, who he has known, I'm going to stress this, for less than 24 hours. Yeah, and but he's gifting her a horse. A girl a horse. I don't. I don't know what your problem is, Andrews. I don't think you're dating right. <laughs> I mean, of course she's got a place to put it, right? Like it's fine. Obviously, yeah. uh, it doesn't overall go over too well. She's much more interested in these like small, cuddly animals, and the horse she was referring to during their conversation at the race is from a children's book, or a or like a romance novel, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, something Kate is sure Anthony's very familiar with. Although giving Edwina the credit, she gives like the exact right amount of gracious response here. Mm-hmm. Like she could tell Anthony's kind of embarrassed and she doesn't belittle him kind of like mm-hmm. Kate does. She is perfect in the moment. I love that Anthony gives Edwina the gift that would be perfect for Kate. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Kate is a horse woman. Like... He's out here giving gifts to the wrong girl. Shocking. I just want to put it out there that a horse is my Patronus. So (laughs) if anybody would like to come give me a horse, that's fine. I'll take it. Mine's a Rottweiler, so I'll I'll take it all. Everybody, so when you slide into Andrew's DMs, as he has requested (laughs) earlier, please remember that he would like a Rottweiler. Several. That's true. Yes. Perfect. Mine is a red fox. Perfect. I would like of course, one of, those it, of course it's a red fox. Yeah, of course. So you <laughs> got one tattooed on me. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And we also get a scene of Benedict heading to Mr. Mondrich's new gentleman's club where he makes Mr. Cruikshank another artist. And they start talking about this new art institute that Benedict might want to go to later. Hmm, foreshadowing. Hmm, weird. Okay, so then there's a small hilarious gathering at the Danbury house. <laughs> Uh, Anthony did not get invited, which is in itself hilarious, but basically all the gentlemen are there putting on a absolutely like lame ass talent show where (laughs) it's like the worst poetry reading I've ever seen in my whole life. Mm -hmm. Penelope though, she's got a nice conversation with Colin, who of course she is in love with. Uh, unfortunately this ends with him saying he's sworn off women for the time being, except Penelope, who he says doesn't count. Because she's just Ugh. Penn, right? Like, she's Penn, his friend. It's fine. Hey, it's like when you're Harry a girl. was talking about Ginny. Yeah, I'm a girl. It's Hermione, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so we also get Cressida there. Cressida's mm. a bitch. Yeah, she's She seems to have captured the new Lord Featherington's attention because she's a pick-me and is gross. Uh, Lady Featherington, obviously not happy about it. To be fair, she's playing the game. To agree, a million percent. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. like she's also a bitch. So she's also a bitch and she's salty. Yeah. She didn't get a she didn't get a husband last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Right. Um, Lady Featherington is also salty because she's been like pushing her boobs up this whole season, <laughs> just like trying to catch a man. And Cressida's out here just like nabbing one day one. 
Um, Antony convinces Benedict to write him a poem and he gate crashes the poetry slam. Everybody loves the poem. Poem's great, captures the crowd, but ultimately Antony is like super honest and admits that he did not write it. He's not that good with words. And ultimately this shows the side of himself that he was trying to convey. And Edwina is very taken by this. She's okay, like, I'm oh, curious about this. Was he actually being honest or did he plan that whole thing? I'm, okay, I'm curious. So I couldn't I, decide this time I around. I think he was being honest because he looked really uncomfortable. <laughs> Interesting. So Anthony I think always he looks uncomfortable. Yeah, I think he was playing the game. I think he... I think he's really watched society for a long time. And I think he knows like what women want, which is somebody who like is like extremely honest about like their faults just so that we can kind of like fix them. <laughs> Please fix me, Edwina. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Um, but I think like he felt like he had to humble himself because that's what Edwina was going to be into. I don't actually think he's humble and I don't think that he like wanted to admit any fault, but he was like, oh, Edwina will think this is charming if I'm just like, oh, look at me, poor little rich boy who's not good with words. Please help me, Edwina. You're my only And she does. And she she does. And she stands up to Kate for him being like, look, Mm -hmm. at least he's being honest. And is that not something to admire? I mean, yeah, I guess. And Kate's like, damn it. (laughs) Well played, sir. Lastly, Eloise thinks she's discovered a clue to Lady Whistledown's true printer, which forces Penelope to go buy some new materials where she is spotted by, uh-oh, Madame Delacroix. Meanwhile, the queen is slowly whittling down her list of suspects, which does include mm-hmm. Penn. Yeah, which does. does include Penn. Honestly, mm-hmm. the, this time when I saw that, we get that closing shot of all the, the pictures of the girls or whatnot. And I mm-hmm. actually thought to myself, like, damn, this is before photos. Someone had to sit there and draw every single one yeah. of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Royal artist. He doesn't have anything better to do. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move into the major characters and relationships that we get in these couple episodes. Obviously, these are the first couple episodes, so we're getting reintroduced to a lot of principal characters, some new characters. And let's start out with Anthony. So first thing after I watch these episodes I want to talk about is his list. He says very clearly to his brothers, like, I don't need love, I have a list. Someone who is tolerable, dutiful, suitable hips for childbearing, and at least half a brain, although to be honest, that's optional. Like, that's more of a preference. Um, Which it really didn't seem to be optional when he was no, talking it really to the didn't. women. Like, he's talking like, to the women and anytime they say something stupid, he like checks out. Like, yeah. either you think that there are really an unlimited number of fish in this sea, or this is really not an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they do a really good job in these episodes of making Anthony kind of intolerable, but you do start to empathize with him somewhat. He, we have that montage, which is great at giving us a look behind the scenes at his life. He is exhausted. Like mm-hmm. we're he laughing at him, making these absolutely direct questions about, oh, you play an instrument, which ones? Oh, you want children, how many? Um, but you see how much work he's doing besides that <clears throat> and how exhausting he finds it. And then we get that conversation with his mother where he's talking about this wife is not about him. It's about like the Bridgerton name and the weight that all of that brings and what he thinks he's carrying on his shoulders, Mm -hmm. that she is going to carry on his, 
He's, she's going to be the mother of his children. She's going to be a caregiver for all of his younger siblings. And he needs someone perfect to do that, to care for them. He really is, he thinks he doesn't care about himself. Mm-hmm. So he's weird. He's kind of an ass, but you do you understand it just like a little bit. And I got to say, give it up to Jonathan ba- Bailey. He has this like really weird manic energy while he's playing mm-hmm. Anthony. It actually reminds me of Tom Hiddleston playing Loki, yes. uh, particularly in the series Loki. There are those couple of scenes with him and Owen Wilson where he's like, mm. yes, yes, very sad. Anyway, uh, and just <laughs> okay. kind of moves on with the conversation. He does this weird, Bailey does this like really like weird thing whenever he's bowing, like you expect someone to kind of bow straight down a little bit, tilt the head, but he tilts it to the side and it's like he's deliberately looking into the corner behind you as mm. he's as he's tilting his head. It's really weird and it's a very subtle detail and I really, I think it's really fun. It was much easier to tell the difference between the Bridgerton boys this season. Which oh yeah, they got haircuts. Some they got haircuts. I disagree with you. <laughs> I, I thought it was easier, probably because Anthony was more of a focus, so you really got used to his like Hugh Jackman crazy eyesness. <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely agree that it was easier just because we had so much Anthony screen time. But um, I was watching with my boyfriend, and um, he could not tell them apart, like at all, <laughs> like any of them. Colin too, He's and blind. I was just like. What are Colin you talking looks, about? Colin They're looks so very different. different. <laughs> Colin looks, Colin very looks different. completely looks different. different. Benedict like, and Anthony, yeah, that's very close. Except, yeah, yeah. I, they they did do a really good job making all of them definitely look related. Mm-hmm. Um, I will agree on the haircuts. I think, well, whatever, we'll get into this, but Benedict just had like so much less personality in the season that it was kind of like, mm-hmm. are they showing Benedict or like, is this just more Anthony? So I can understand how it may have felt just like well why are we even seeing benedict when like nothing's really happening with him i love him though he's so funny <laughs> i just like i don't understand him but we can get to that later i love, uh, I love when his mom's like watch your brother and he's like he is hey. funny for those of you for those of you who uh who are not watching this colleen was just looking over like, her shoulder what? several times <laughs> yeah i assume yeah that sounds right <laughs> I love Benedict. I hope he gets more screen time next season. I'm though. sure he will. Next, we have Eloise. I love her, but mm, she's having some tough looks this season. I did like that she stood up to Cressida and was like, bitch, no, I'd rather die than be your friend. <laughs> when Cressida's like, I've got an opening in the Mean Girls Society. And she's like, no, bitch, please, no. Mm-hmm. But really what she wanted to do was drag Penelope away so that she could hear about Eloise's own problems. Yeah. Like mm, a little sketch girl. Eloise's self-controlled nature would be like, it's it's very on full display this season. She is like last season, like, okay, I get it. You're young. You don't want to do this. You're a burgeoning feminist. But like, girl. At least you think you are. <laughs> yeah, you think you are. You need to give Penn some time to chat though, because Penn, Penn deserves to talk to. It's not just her though. All the Bridgertons are so enamored with themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. they're so self-centered and they're so just only interested in their own lives kind of their siblings lives although Eloise doesn't seem interested in her siblings either mm-hmm. I'd say she's probably more Maybe interested Benedict. in her younger siblings lives mm-hmm. she has a good relationship with Benedict's mm-hmm. like Eloise just and we'll get more into this kind of later on this season 
she's the black sheep it's hard she's the black sheep of the family i do like her costuming this season because mm. really anytime good. she's kind of allowed to pick her own outfit she's still got the high collars like mm-hmm. she's very much covered up but anytime mm-hmm. she has to like go out to a ball or something her mother forces her to wear kind of the more traditional gowns mm-hmm. Feathers. but <laughs> she's just she is a burgeoning feminist but she doesn't actually really know what that means no not at really. this point like she's the she's trying she's she trying but she's also for, like the, not her outside which is she's like the freshman psych major who comes home and tries to <laughs> psychoanalyze all of her friends and family like they know everything as, it's as hamlet said to thine own self be true actually Helen didn't say that guy <laughs> <laughs> yes that will be eloise poor sweet girl uh her relationship with lady bridgerton is fairly fraught i mean they get along but her mother is really desperate to get Eloise to participate in this whole courting ritual. Eloise is not having it. She's not Shout out to cleaning up after dogs, which is apparently a topic of great interest. Right? Grabbing that <laughs> pamphlet, she's like, dog, clean. Okay, this is fine. Kate should have that for their little corgi. This is a really odd contrast, though, with Antony and his relationship with his mother, highlighting the differences between expectations for young men and young women. Hmm. They're both, they both need to perform, basically. And Antony and Eloise really don't want to <laughs> perform the way Lady Bridgerton wants them to, which is an interesting similarity between the two because they don't really talk super No, much. they really never talk to each other. But they're both very defiant towards the mother, which is pretty funny. I love like Antony, please find love from his mom. And then to Eloise, please find literally anyone. Like anyone will do. The freaking kid with the marbles, I could not. <laughs> no. Oh God. Why did you even let this poor ginger disaster into the house? <laughs> because he was willing. <laughs> he really was. He was trying very hard. And then we have Eloise and Daphne. This, I think, really could use some development. I think it would be really interesting if it got more development. In this episode, at least, it was front and center. She's desperate to not have to be like Daphne, basically. Like, she's like, Daphne's perfect. Daphne can do what she wants. But Eloise doesn't want that. She doesn't want to be the diamond. She doesn't want to stand out, at least not in the way that Daphne stood out. And she loves her sister, but it's really hard for her to make a name for herself when they're all supposed to conform to this one ideal of what a woman is supposed to be right mm-hmm. she really doesn't have a chance when daphne no. is her older sister it's like going to school and being the c student and your teacher's like oh that was your sister the one that got straight a's yeah and daphne is very well-meaning here like we don't get a ton of daphne in these episodes but we do get a couple of key scenes with her she's trying to help eloise and as well-meaning as that is this is the absolute last thing that your younger sibling wants to hear in that moment. I am the youngest of three siblings and I can say, no, I don't want to hear about what worked for you. I am not you. In fact, I have put a considerable amount of effort into not being you, not being compared to you. So please shut the fuck up and let me mess this up in my own way. Yeah, I mean, we get a lot of Daphne doing this this season. She does it with Eloise. She does it with Antony. Um, yeah, but I'm it's de- more fun when she does it with Anthony because oh, he has definitely. it coming. Yeah, oh, definitely. He definitely <laughs> has it coming. I think mm-hmm. Daphne just like, 
really thinks highly of herself in the season. She's like, look at what I've achieved. Like, mm-hmm. why did I do all this? If like, you're going to just like, fuck it up. I mean, as the oldest sister, I mean, I'm the oldest sibling period, but I'm also the oldest sister in my family. Um, I get it. Like <laughs> I paved this way and you're not even going to walk it. But yeah, no. See, is, Colleen, you talk sad. about. I'm Colleen, older you talk, and I have a younger brother. <laughs> Colleen, you talk about like teachers comparing you or whatever. I had a teacher in high school who taught my older brother, my older sister, and both my parents. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, hi, Anders. Mm. Oh, this another is one. our daughter, Dottie. This is our other daughter, Dottie's Dottie sister. sister. <laughs> Kit's annoying as fuck, but I felt for her in that moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Kate uh so kate is fabulous she's a dog mom so automatically that makes her the absolute best character on the show uh no yep. contest. not at all no. i love her i love her so much <laughs> she's really great she's very quick on her feet she's able to recognize when she's out of her depth she does seem to run away from problems very quickly she's pretty avoidant um i think she just fears that anything is going to look badly on edwina and then therefore like risk her mother's future and you know mm-hmm. her own future in that oh and looking she, bad on edwina like grabbing her by the arm and saying we're leaving i mean <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do okay <laughs> uh her introduction in these episodes it has her like pretty combative and defensive but she's also just very strong and she's willing to stand her ground which i really appreciate we did we saw mm-hmm. some of that with daphne in season one but not to the same extent like daphne still didn't want to upset anybody who really had any power um, yeah, right. except for maybe the duke but that was mostly in the bedroom hey hey <laughs> she's very competitive as seen by her performance at the races she does not like to lose she rides astride when she's alone um which is a huge no-no Mm-mm. for ladies of the regency era what a absolute tomboy unbelievable yes. mm-hmm. no so maid riding no a chaperone no i know mm-hmm. and just like her, her riding outfit is so on point by the way oh she looks fantastic oh, oh yeah gonna talk about it. that in a little bit <laughs> good i need to talk about it all day i need the same one all right she's also distractingly beautiful yes she like, really edwina, is edwina is very pretty but then kate's there and i'm like but Edwina is still young where you can consider her just like adorable or cute. Kate is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Kate yeah. is like stunning. Like I'm actually really sad that she's not going to be back for the next season of Sex Education. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but maybe she'll be back for a season for a season three of Bridgerton. I feel like it would make sense. Like as long as we're spending time in the Bridgerton house, it would make sense for her to be there yeah. given where she yeah, ends up. Although in the books, I, I feel like she and Anthony spend a lot of time in the country. Mm. Mm. so you know I, they could do like a do the duke's away on business sort of situation with kate <laughs> and anthony yeah uh then we have edwina the younger sister she holds herself up really well and her relationship with kate is so so warm mm-hmm. um she fields questions she fields anthony's questions we get him repeating kind of the same questions that he was during that montage to her on the dance floor and she fields them absolutely perfectly she's like well you know whatever my husband wants in terms of the number of kids sure we're gonna have them 
uh, I also read, I speak these languages, I do these things. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also, like I said earlier, we get a little bit of her standing up for what she wants in episode two, when Kate is like, no, you cannot talk to Anthony. And she says, no, I'm going to, I want to, this mm -hmm. is what I want to do. Um, we don't get really a lot of time with her with any other characters, but we do get this nice little interaction with Penelope around Penelope's dress and she's complimenting it and Penelope thinks she's making fun of her, but she's mm -hmm. actually like, no, that's a really pretty dress. You look fucking hot. Go with it. Yep. And it shows how absolutely genuine that Edwina truly is. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. she's younger. That's usually played off as naive. Mm-hmm. But they make they make a good effort to make her seem very genuine and very warm. Yes. And she notices Penelope. Very true. Like yeah. hardly anyone does. So Penelope's like, who? What? Me? Yellow? <laughs> Wallflower? What? Penelope makes me wear it. And she's just Edwina is so sweet. So, so sweet. I do like that we see that she has a backbone too. Mm -hmm. We will see more of that later in the season. Speaking of backbones, wow, huge, huge <laughs> backbone on this woman, Lady Featherington. Holy shit. She is worried, everyone. She's really worried. This new Lord of Featherington is upending her entire reality. Mm. And she isn't sure what will happen to her and her daughters, which is fair. During the Regency era, the men had all of the control. In Sense and Sensibility, the brother, once the dad dies, takes all of the money and doesn't take care of his half-sisters and their mother. So it's very likely that this new Lord Featherington could come in and kick them out of the house and yeah. no money, no nothing. As always, she's willing to do whatever it takes to secure their position. I love this about her. She is just feisty and tacky as fuck. I love her. She's selling up their possessions and she's doing like quote unquote show grieving, which is amazing. <laughs> I can't believe she fooled anyone scene. with that, but it's fantastic. In order to get her daughter's future in-laws off her back. Mm. Amazing. Where's no the notes. dowry? Oh, it's just been so, so unsettling. That's right. I'm broken hearted of my beloved husband. Like, oh my. <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about Penelope, who is, of mm -hmm. course, the youngest daughter of Lady Featherington. Our girl, she's doing amazing. Her business is growing. She is just selling out of these pamphlets. Seems to be harder for Penn to carry out her work this season, but. Now that we know she's Lady Whistledown, we get more prominent shots of her overhearing gossip and observing those around her, which was really cool. Um, in the books, we don't know who is Lady Whistledown at this point in Anthony's story. Um, so this is really exciting stuff. I was just excited to see more of Penn and to just like see her be more confident in all the things that she's doing in these episodes. Mm -hmm. I just, mm -hmm. I loved it. She's just like a little conniving little thing. I love it. She is, but she's still, she's still kind of meek around like certain people. Like she's, mm -hmm. she's not sure of how to handle this relationship with Eloise because Eloise is like very hot and cold on the whole lady yeah. whistle down thing. And yeah. she's just kind of sitting there bitching and moaning and Penelope is just kind of like, yeah, Which okay. I wrote it. Like, leave me alone. Which I wrote it. Also, are you done talking yeah. now? Because I kind of need to get back to the party. I actually would like to be at the party, even if I'm a mm -hmm. wallflower. I'd like to actually be there. This and is Pen tough because Penn is used to being at all these things without Eloise. Yeah. Next up, we have Lady Danbury, the true queen of the show, as always. Um, 
we get a lot of her here. The we get a lot of scenes set at her house because that is where the Sharmas are staying. And I love her dynamic with Kate. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it because Kate is willing to just kind of look down her nose at her, not only because she is in fact taller, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but like she thinks that Lady Danbury is kind of patronizing her by thinking, oh, you did maybe you didn't prepare your sister as well as you thought you did. But Kate's like, uh, no, bitch, I did. Then finds out, oh, okay, maybe there are some more subtleties to this. And she straight up shuts Kate down when Kate is like, aren't you happy? Like you, you don't have a man like, and she's like, yeah, cause he's dead. I did have one. I lived I a full fucking life. Right. And now I've earned the right to do whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lady Danbury has been through it. Yeah. Like, uh, come on, Kate. <laughs> and I love that advice that she ultimately gives Kate at the end here of episode two, that you can really only control your own actions and trying to influence and control others always ends in disaster. It never works out. Yeah, I think Kate's a Virgo. We like to control other people and have our own way. So I, I feel that strongly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard pill to swallow, poor Kate. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. He's the Virgo. Oof. I think the queen is a Scorpio. Oh, a Queen Charlotte. Queen Charlotte. Oh my goodness. The queen has a more prominent role this season, which I love. I adore her. She is just fantastic. Crazy. She, mm, she's got her hands on everything. She's coming out swinging too at everyone. Even Lady Danbury. She's like, Mm, you may be my bestie but don't talk to me about lady whistletown <laughs> or don't try to manage me basically and lady amber is like I- i'm just trying my best here to deal with you because i'm your only friend so can we not do this i do love that we get more time with her compared to season one she's also honing her own investigative skills which is really fun to see and expanding her net of influence like she is full-on obsessed She's going mm-hmm. like Javert on Lady Whistledown. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to get her woman. Yes. Thank you. It's up. not like she... Gossip Girl. <laughs> it's a dude. I looked it up. She's in fact a Taurus. She was born May 19th. I'm a Taurus. Oh my God. Look at you. Stop. <laughs> I was born May 20th. It, Are you a queen? One day apart. I guess. I guess I can be a queen. Uh, so I will say it says in this like tiny little uh, Google search, they have supreme confidence in their abilities and never shrink when it comes to doing what is expected of them. Um, so Very that does true. sound like Queen Charlotte quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's hundred percent. Yeah. We also love parties and food Perfection. and drink, <laughs> which is very true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think she was more of a mead person, mead and Ooh, wine, whereas you're just straight mead. up about the beer. I, I mean, I'll drink other things, but beer is my chief love. But mm, meat at the Renaissance Festival, there's nothing better. Get after it's it. too sweet. I don't like the honey. Well, it doesn't like you back, so. <laughs> you, I mean, just like Lord Richardson, you don't like the bees that are flying right. around the mead that are making honey oh. for the mead. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about our Duke Benedict next. We don't get a lot of him. But we do see him and Madame Delacroix. They have that small interaction where she shuts him out, which was kind of funny. I love that. It was yeah. fantastic. Like, She's I'm like, busy. I-, I got a business to run, dude. Honestly, like Madame Delacroix is a G. Like yeah. I am super here for her. She is great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we do see Benedict with Anthony when he is delivering that poem. And he says that poetry is supposed to reveal your soul and true feelings. And that was like really swoon worthy. Like, whew, good job, Benedict. Yeah. So it. we need to get Benedict a date, but I'm still perplexed as to who he prefers. <laughs> I think I, Benedict is a pansexual. Yeah, I which, think like, he's a pan. Which I'm totally here for. I just mm -hmm. like need the show to like go into it. Yes. Because I be really amazing. felt like he was gay in the first season. And mm -hmm. then, spoiler, like we see him with like naked girls throughout this season. Um, and I'm just like, you know, go get yours, Benedict, a million percent. But like, I want to see Benedict fuck. Like, yeah. let's go. Benedict is the one, like this season, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last episode that if you are to follow the books, yes. like the next season would theoretically be mostly about Benedict. And right. mm -hmm. keeping that in mind, it feels like a lot of what they're doing with him this season is just like the gotta keep him in the cast, don't really know what to do. Yeah. Type thing. They're treading water. They're tre yeah, they're treading. They're just kind of like making sure you remember that he's there, but they don't really do too much with him. So if they are going to go into Benedict in the next season, which again, I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to go Colin Penn. Mm -hmm. um, this part about the poetry and just like seeing him as like a very romantic kind of dude that does fit into his story with Sophie, who he ends up being with. If, you know, they keep up with the books. Um, he's like very, very romantic. He believes in true love. He gets this like whole fairy tale story. Um, so, I mean, we do get that from Benedict here, but we don't get, you know, much beyond that. Mm -hmm. Right. Our poor baby. Yeah. Find him a woman or a man. Find him someone. <laughs> you know what? I think he's capable. He'll find himself somebody. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, the thing we always listen for in Bridgerton, that soundtrack. We get a couple of uh, really fun numbers here. Starting off with At That First Ball, it opens with Material Girl by Madonna. Done so by good. <laughs> Perfect. I gotta ask though, like, is this song just like making a comeback? Because not only was it done here, and I actually, I really like that they chose to open this ball with this because it was a, it's a very recognizable track. And like mm -hmm. I said, I said this last episode, I don't listen to a ton of music. I don't listen to a ton yeah. of new music. So it took me like a couple of tracks last season to really realize what the hell they were doing. This is just a very recognizable thing to instantly bring yeah. you into the whole modern music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And is this song, like, seriously, is it like making a comeback? It was also just last year on that Amazon jukebox musical version of Cinderella, which, you know, just kind of exists. <laughs> it's a thing that happened. How did you I, I saw it. One of the one of the reasons it's Camila Cabello is Cinderella, and one of the reasons I actually ended up checking it out was I took a look at the soundtrack and it said, "Oh, Material Girl," and Adina Menzel is going to sing it, and I was like, "That sounds like fun," and I watched it and I was like, "Cool." So that happened. Mm -hmm. Okay, so ladies who are about to drop into Anders's DMs, he's lying to you. Anders watches everything. There is not one thing out <laughs> in the world does. that Anders has not watched because <laughs> we get like. Lego Ninjago updates. We got all sorts of crazy Yo, new season stuff. coming. It sounds so fucking awesome. Although they wrote about. off the one girl ninja. Like, what the hell? The water ninja she had to sacrifice here. her love to become one with the ocean. That is way Stop too little mermaid. <laughs> way too little mermaid for Ninjago. <laughs> Just 
know that if you are going to date Anders, he is watching everything. So we you hope will that you enjoy the couch. Watching everything. That's right. Or you need like a lot of your own life. <laughs> it will work it's around it. Every, everything will work around each other. It's fine. That's right. <laughs> we also get a couple of other tracks here. We get "Stay Away," which is originally by Kurt Cobain. Uh, during that's during Anthony's montage. And when the queen announces Edwina as her diamond, we get Rihanna's diamonds. Perfection. Yep. Mm-hmm. A little on the nose, but we are here for it. I'm love here it. for it. I'm excited for this next round. I love talking about clothes. <laughs> yeah, it's time to talk about best fit. So we said it earlier with her riding outfit. I got to shout out Kate's cloak, that like deep velvet billowing in that like morning kind of fog it just looked amazing and i'm just gonna say it cloaks are really due for a comeback when a girl wears a cloak it looks fucking hot yeah Yeah. i love a cloak Mm -hmm. i'm here for it let's all get cloaks i have Um, one it's also that like it's that like it's that like green purple combo that like deep velvet it just Mm -hmm. looks so fucking good on her okay when we go to the renaissance festival colleen we're gonna wear our cloaks okay great Thanks. Uh, I want to shout out the Queen's wigs. They got like super elaborate this season. Yes. <laughs> she mm. wears purple to the ball. I love that dress too. Absolutely nuts. Uh, the Queen is definitely more influenced by French fashion and culture, which is like a lot more opulent. Like in Marie Antoinette's time, they would like put all these like fake ass birds in their wigs and all mm-hmm. sorts of crazy shit. Uh, like boats and you know whatever so i love when all of her ladies are wearing like matching wigs yeah, behind so, her so good mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. like it's like bridesmaids it's like a look like it's a yes. whole picture so Your yeah squad love it. has to match you absolutely so the queen wigs are great can't wait to see more of them i love that the one at the ball that she throws is like heart-shaped yes so she's like we're going to choose the diamond and someone's going to fall in love at my ball. And if they don't, heads are going to roll. Seriously. It's very queen of hearts. Mm-hmm. It's very queen of hearts. And she has that, like, she has that side smirk, like the entire time, which just, I feel like it, that does not work as well. If she doesn't have the giant wig. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Oh my God. Like what if she had like flat hair? It, no, <laughs> would not. Can't. No, she needs to be tall, like yeah. imposing. She has to be like that. It's like Abe Lincoln's hats. It's and like, he was already really tall. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah, I don't know how tall Queen Charlotte was, but probably not that tall. Probably not. But with the wigs, much taller. Much. And then, of course, the heels, because the French were much more into high heel shoes during this time. So we, it's because we're all short. Fair. Get after uh, Queen Charlotte. We love you. Kate, she's probably my best dress of the entire season. I absolutely. love Kate's A million looks. percent. Every single look she serves is fantastic. She dresses mostly in like deeper jewel tones, much more in line with Lady Danbury than with the other young ladies of the season, except in the first ball gown where she's trying to like incorporate herself a little bit more into society. She wears dark blues and purples, always beside Edwina, who's wearing lighter colors, which makes her more like Edwina's shadow, as well as the dark horse of the season. Like, I love that she has the dark colors when all of the other women are in these beautiful white dresses and Edwina's in very soft pinks and blushes, which of course is signaling like her purity and innocence. Whereas Kate's not about that life. She's like, yeah, I'm dark as fuck. Come yeah. at me, boys. Like, I love that like don't. that dark blue she's wearing at the races. Mm-hmm. 
it just mm -hmm. everything about it just it complements her very well and she looks fucking fantastic she looks so good and i know she's trying to like not stand out but by not matching the other women it makes her stand out way more mm -hmm. like of course you're gonna get noticed girl you look fucking fantastic oh all right next we're heading into our things we want to discuss section so I loved this little detail. It's so cute. It's very like out of nowhere, kind of. When Anthony first runs into Kate when they're on horseback, he sees a pair of white geese. They're kind of walking in front of him. Little, little goose couple. Geese often mate for life. So it's like, hmm, what's going on here? This kind of signals to the audience that he's about to meet his quote-unquote mate. They are seen as instant eagles and foils, which is super fun. I love that Kate outrides him even though he's like, we didn't agree upon like when the winning spot would be. And she's like, whatever, I totally won. They're very Darcy and Elizabeth Bennett. A lot of the back yeah. and forth energy, which is great. And then I do also enjoy that Kate is playing the role Anthony did. Yeah. In season one, he, she is the cockwalk of the season. <laughs> great, great look for her. And I also love, we're going to see this a lot more later. Daphne's just out there grinning her head off because Anthony has finally met his match and is getting it served back to him which is amazing I, I do love that I gotta say that might be I like completely forgot about Anthony playing that role in season mm -hmm. one like mm -hmm. I remember the results of it where like think Daphne just like wasn't getting the attention she should have been getting yeah. as a diamond I just couldn't quite remember why and that speaks to probably how little I really cared about Anthony in season one right he was being yeah. a dick like he was totally saying none of them were good enough for her Mm -hmm. and then he's looking for perfection got no bitches and she was like i got no bitches antony and he's like good suppose <laughs> <laughs> <Let's> get married <laughs> all right i got a couple of questions for you guys number one mm -hmm. would you ever personally spend enough on candlesticks that you could sell them off to support your family for like a month or two like lady featherington is willing to sell hers and it actually brought me back to um another cinderella adaptation this is ever after where angelica houston's baroness de ghent mm -hmm. sold off the candlesticks uh when the farm wasn't doing so well and i just am like wow i have no idea what candlesticks are worth because i don't own any i mean i only own shabbat candlesticks i've got two sets and i i don't think they could even like really feed my family for like one day <laughs> Oh, I am like so happy you brought up Ever After. Ever After is like one of my all-time faves. What a hit. If it's a great movie. Ever After. So oh my good. God, go watch it right now. <laughs> and a little bit more related to the story itself, I got to ask you guys. So the first time you watched this, did you think that Lady Mary was aware of Kate Steele with her parents, the Sheffields. I actually, they make it very clear that we can't tell Edwina about this. Yeah. But then in that conversation between Kate and Lady Danbury, they never actually bring up her mother and whether or not she's in on this. And I just kind of assumed she was. We'll find out later that she is in fact not. Mm -hmm. I figured she was in on it because I couldn't imagine Kate being able to hide that from her. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to remember what I thought at the time, because now obviously I know that she wasn't, but mm -hmm. I always kind of felt like Lady Mary was kind of out of it. Like she gets yeah. headaches and is just like laying down a lot. Like you can kind of tell who's in charge of this family and it's not Mary. It's definitely a million percent Kate. Mm -hmm. So I could see her not knowing about it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't think she knew. 
I thought this was totally a Kate thing, especially since Lady Danbury basically just like came at her and was like, mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. Okay, speaking of, what do you think of the deal itself and Kate's choice? Mm, I mean, I understand why <laughs> she does it because women have no power unless they have money and unless they marry. So I think she's doing what she thinks is best for her family. And if we didn't know that she hadn't told her mom yet, it's like, oh, you might've wanted to fill your mom in because she's taking on everything herself, just like Anthony thinks he has to. And it's like, your mom and your sister are going to be stronger than you think. Mm -hmm. It's almost like she's insulting them. And I think we'll talk about this a lot more once the plot gets revealed. Yeah, it's like I, the deal itself, it's like, if, if we're going to take the fact that you're going to make the deal, like that is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. I can understand why you don't tell Edwina about it, because if you actually want her to find love, right. once you tell her that money is involved, it's like instantly tainting yeah. all of her decision making. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I it's a tough decision. It's a very it's a very tough decision. It's also, I mean, props to her for even thinking of it to begin with. But mm-hmm. How about it's you, a bit Paul? of a tough luck. What I mean, do you I, think? I agree with Colleen. I think she's doing the best that she can for her family. I think she thinks she's being very clever about it. And she thinks like, this is a really good deal because Edwina wants to get married anyways. And so mm-hmm. might as well like get as much as we can out of this deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can't really blame her for that. Kind of reminds me of really all of the women that had to marry Henry VIII. Yes. Who, like right now I'm really into the musical six. So if you haven't listened oh. to six yet. <laughs> I'm going to go see it in October. Shut up, where? It's coming to Minnesota. Shut the hell up. Okay, well, I'm coming to see you. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about that. Stop. Okay, we're side note. We're gonna have to do an episode on six. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, anyways, it just makes you think about just how little choice really they had. It was just mm-hmm. people telling them what they had to do, and you just kind of did it and you hoped for the best. And yes, um, mm-hmm. that was really it. Pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So here's a question for y'all. Are you missing the Duke? Yeah, so Jean-René Page was the breakout star of season one. Um, so for him not to be written into season two deliberately, because it doesn't quite fit the story for him to be there, it is a little bit shocking. Like, they could have worked a little bit harder to get him in there. Like, mm-hmm. we really just needed to see him with Daphne or, like, see him holding his kid. I feel like it would have been nice to see him with his kids, because yes. that was, like, such a major plot point. And for him to one. talk to Anthony? yeah. So I, here's where I am. Okay. Uh, sorry. Right. Go ahead, Fa. No, no, no. I'm, you go. All right. So no, I can with you after. Okay. <laughs> I, I think story-wise, though, like most of the stuff he would be talking up to Anthony about, like you could have like a single conversation about like, yeah, do you find love or not? But most of that talk, I think it makes a lot more sense for Anthony to be talking to his brothers about. And especially if we're going to be building towards later seasons with these brothers and with the rest of the family, it makes more sense to have the Bridgertons be part of those conversations as opposed to like Anthony at the bar with his buddy. Yeah, I did really like I did really like John Renee Page in season one. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but all did. Did you not not, see him with a spoon in his mouth? 
No, oh, wait, I didn't. no, you didn't see him with a spoon in his mouth. <laughs> I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> Do you want to see him with a dad bod flow? Yes. Sure, why not? Yeah, I would be fine. <laughs> um, I'll see him in whatever. Um, you know, I mean, I agree with you. I still think, like, give us one, like, gratuitous scene of him. Like, maybe, like, at the gentleman's club. I don't know. Just, like, I just want to see him, like, drinking a whiskey or something, like, and chatting with Anthony and the brothers and, like, the Bridgertons in the book, especially, are notoriously close. Like, mm-hmm. whoever they marry, like, it's one big happy family. It's a big deal. And they are all very annoyingly into each other's lives. And so, like, it is a little bit strange for the Duke not to be there. Because mm-hmm. he's the first one to marry in. Um, and obviously Daphne's there. And, like, Daphne's kids are there. Or kid at this point, right? She just has one at this point. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. the one. Um I, I don't know. I, he didn't have to be away for the whole season. I feel like that's just give us a little bit. That's true. Mm-hmm. I think more like, least... you know what he would have been great at? Put him in that um Paul Mall game. Yeah. Yeah. There are there are one or two yeah. like scenes where it would make perfect sense for him to be totally. There. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that's just my thing. We missed him. We missed your butt, Jean Renee Page, <laughs> quite a bit. Yes. Anthony's butt is very excellent, but not as excellent. You know, it was all right. We made do. Yes, I'm sure you were all fine. I mean, I only cried myself to sleep twice. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Other random side note, I just feel like I have to bring up. I did not notice this the first time. So the first time I watched the season, um, I was on a plane. <laughs> I binged the entire season on my flight back from Italy. Look at you. So, um, but random side note, I noticed this time through rewatching these episodes, Benedict is a fucking terrible fencer. I, I just had to point that out. He completely, painter. yeah, he's a painter. His shoulders are like completely square to his opponent. He brings his arm like perpendicular to himself so that the point of his blade is like off to the side out of nowhere. And I was just like, dude, no, no wonder Anthony's kicking your ass this entire time. He are you just a pulled fencer, off- Anders? Uh, yeah, I was. <gasps> Shut the hell up. <laughs> what is girls? Let's just add this to his hinge profile. Ladies, if you want to fence it, it's sword play. <laughs> <laughs> Can wield a sword. <laughs> yes. I mean, better. He does pull off a pretty good, like a uh, kind of an over the top, like quick tap on the back to Anthony. But overall, he's a terrible fucking fencer. And I just noticed it this time and felt the need to bring it up. Did you know I took theatrical <laughs> fencing in college? I did not. Yeah, there you go. I had to choreograph a scene to a so cool. I've taken broadsword lessons. And here's what we all learned from this episode. All of your hosts here at BGS are really cool people who definitely have a lot of friends. I never I never had to choreograph a sword fight. I did choreograph a Disney medley dance for social dance final in college. Look at you. We just get cooler and cooler. It's really no wonder that we're here together. Um, okay. (laughs) Let's continue getting even cooler. We are going to compare the book and the show very quickly. Uh, Again, I have read the books. Anders and Colleen have not. Colleen has heard a lot of it secondhand from her mom. Um, okay. The first major change, which kind of like pops out at you immediately, is that the Sharma sisters, who is Kate and Edwina, in the book, they're just the Sheffield sisters. They are 
just white. They're run-of-the-mill white people. Uh, and the, the deal with Mary's parents does not exist in the books. That's not a real thing. Um, it's really just Kate and Edwina. Uh, their relationship is very much like Eleanor and Marion Dashwood in Austin's Sense and Sensibility, which to be honest, Colleen can definitely talk more about because I don't think I've read <laughs> Sense and Sensibility in um, a good 20-ish years. I, never I think have. I've watched the movie. <gasps> I've think never I've watched... read it and I've never watched the movie. Oh, oh my God. Anders, add this to your list. You're That's watching one, everything. <laughs> watch the um, Emma Thompson one mm. version. Oh yeah, if I were going to watch one, that would be the yeah, one. It's very good. Uh, these two are close. Thick as thieves, just like Eleanor and Marianne Dashwood are. They're warm. They're gently at odds occasionally because Eleanor always has to tell Marianne like, hmm should you be doing that? And Marianne's like, fuck you, bitch. Uh, which Edwina is not like quite yet. And Eleanor, of course, is more fiery. Or no, Kate is more fiery than Eleanor, who is more like at 19, y'all, Eleanor is a spinster. So imagine Kate at 26. God, what a failure. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, she mm-hmm. really has failed her family. But I look forward to more of the sisterly dynamic from these two. I think that that's actually the central relationship of the season. I think we'll talk more about that as we go along. Of course, it's supposed to be Kate, Antony, love triangle with Edwina. But I think Kate and Edwina's relationship is more interesting in the long run than Antony and Kate. We'll, we'll see how we I all feel so about too. that yeah. as we go along. I just love them together. They're so kind to each other. They want to take care of each other, which is so sweet. And they want to take care of their mom, Mm -hmm. which is like another mom in Bridgerton is not doing so great, everyone. (laughs) In Star Wars, it's the dads. In Bridgerton, it is mothers. Well, I mean, the moms in Star Wars tend to just die. So they're not doing so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not their fault that they die. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes Uh, they get taken by Tuscans and killed. Yeah. yeah, or they get turned on by slaughtering Tuscans and then oh you know draw the line at child murder. Anyway, I mean, another another time. Uh, <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> All right. So one of the kind of like downstream effects that of changing Kate and Edwina to be of Indian descent um, is the ability. It's a great choice and it allows them to do things like include this thing we mentioned earlier, Kate's actual opinion of English tea, where she says it's basically trash and garbage and terrible. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have noted this, you know, most of us, I mean, all three of us are white. We, tea is like synonymous with England and British culture, but it is ultimately something that they took via colonialism, imperialism from India and the rest of Southeast Asia Mm-hmm. And doing something like this allows the show to provide visibility to that, to comment on that, make reference to things like colonialism without, quote unquote, like making the whole show about that. So, oh my gosh, look at that. We can acknowledge something bad and its effects without destroying all of reality. What a shocker. <laughs> it is possible to do this. It is. It's, I liked that touch a lot. Mm -hmm. I've had Indian tea and it's much stronger. I know what Kate means. She's like, this is garbage water. I hate everything about this. It's probably because the herbs they have to use for their tea are very dry and they're not 
using fresh ingredients mm-hmm. where in India they grow their own tea mm-hmm. ingredients. Yeah. I haven't had Indian tea. I've had like a I've had like Turkish and Egyptian mm-hmm. kind of more African teas. Mm-hmm. Um, those were really good. Oh my God. I have a lot of sleepy time teas. So that is with the bear on the box. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm doing just the store bought like Lipton generic tea bags most of the time. Like that, that's it. I'm American that way. I use the microwave. I have had English tea. I went to a few English teas and the tea is not very strong. Which is how I like it. So when I went to tea, I loved it. But also just like give me scones and crumpets. Like oh yeah, the food. I was mostly too dry. Perfect. Get out of here. If the scone is Ladies, dry, get out of his wrong. DMs now. We're taking it all back. <laughs> you don't want him. If he the scones are dry, go to high have... tea. Oh, sorry. No, I'm 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 talking about the crumpets. I've never had a scone. Okay. Never Wait, had a scone? what? Hold on. <laughs> We are learning so much about Andrew. Okay, you're invited to my daughter Charlotte's graduation party because it's going to be at a tea place, and so you can have a scum there. Okay, thank so, you. Near, I will send you the invite. I'm flight to California, here. absolutely. Yeah, fly here. There you go for a pre pre K graduation. All right. And uh, closing out here, I did want to make one small note on historical accuracy. We noted last time that the show is not particularly historically accurate, and normally we don't care about that. But it is a reality that Queen Charlotte was known to have zebras and at least one elephant at Buckingham Palace. So that detail that they slipped in there when she's talking to Edwina and Kate is a nice little historical nod. Uh, also, I just looked this up. Did you guys know she had 15 kids? She mentions yes. that. That's not That she ran out of names. She's like, I've named 15 children. What am I supposed to name the zebras? Yeah. yeah it's pretty nice. So that and now... 13 made it to adulthood, which is pretty good. Now remind me here, just because I'm, mm, she's, this is pre-Victorian era, right? This is mm-hmm. like several, Victoria's several. 1800s. Yeah, Victoria's back in the 18th. Okay. Um, just because uh, I are just. There are rumors too that she was of partial African descent. Queen there are rumors around that. Mm-hmm. Just because I remember, because I think Queen Victoria was the first sitting monarch to actually give birth on the throne. Not surprised. She was a badass bitch. But I mean, Charlotte was also, she was like the regent and like, she kind of like more like did, did it without actually like the title or whatnot. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, she had a lot of kids. That's, oh, that's too many. I'm not going to lie. She loved her husband. (laughs) She loved him a little too much. I mean, they should have abstained a little tiny bit. No way. You just got to pop them out, man. You got to produce some heirs in case they don't survive. That's fair. 15 though. And 13 survived to adulthood. That's a lot of titles that you have to give out to these yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. Whatever. She and you have all the cousins or whatever, whose titles you've already given. Like that's why we have a Duke of Hastings and all this other stuff. Well, you better hope none of them get stung by a bee as we'll see in the next episodes. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler. All right. Well, that is where we are going to leave it for today. Thank you all for being with us and come back next time for the next couple episodes where we have more shenanigans on the BGS ton. You can join us uh, as a podcast or on YouTube. Either way, hit that follow button and leave us some five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiageekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes. Enjoy Colleen's Book Corner where she reviews Star Wars literature and give us a shout out through email and or Twitter and Instagram. As always, keep telling other nerdy nights to join us. It really does help. 
Until next time, close up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everybody. Swords up, baby. Hey, swords up. (laughs) Bye, guys.